0: Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 354 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I am so thrilled that you are with me today as we are talking to Leslie Karst. And She was just a joy. Please stick around for the interview we talk about. Why not to read reviews? And also the generosity of writers and also how fun writing dialogue can actually be. Uh, Before we get into that, what has been going on around here? Oh, a lot of puppy fun, some puppy training. Um, Oh my gosh, so much, so much puppy training and so many puppy cuddles. And that has been really Wonderful. We are in love with Professor Junebug, and I think she's going to be a very good, big-hearted, wonderful little dog. I think that she might be Kelpie Lab. I saw a Kelpie on TikTok, and I was like, that is her. And then I decided to Google Kelpie Lab, Kelpador, as they are called, and all of the Kelpadors look just like her. Um, So I think she's going to be a driven little um, pocket full of sunshine. That is, well, she, she already is that. So that has been awesome. Um, what else has been going on? I've been doing my writing. Those 500 words a day of extra fun are just so good. Still enjoying it. And my 90 days to done a 90 day revision class is wrapped up. I think I mentioned that last week and I miss them. But I want to say that I am taking this month for myself and that feels pretty good. The classes that I teach are not only about the craft and how to, which they are hugely about, but they're also a lot of me holding space for uh, the more difficult emotions that swirl around writing sometimes and helping students realize that those emotions are okay. They're normal. They're welcome. And we do our writing anyway. And so I took all of April off, including Rachel says, right. I have um, my amazing assistant Ed doing Mondays and uh, a person who's always in Rachel says, right. May is doing Wednesdays for me. And I am just going kind of head down, quiet into my projects and <laughs> supporting myself really deeply. And that feels good. So that was a, it feels like the right decision. Um, it is still the first week of April. am I? And I am just enjoying kind of moving through the days with a little less urgency, a little more ease. Um, I'm not letting anyone down. There's no danger of that. I can just exist at my desk and that feels very, very good. Uh, Speaking of the 90 Days to Done courses, they are open right now. Y'all know they sell out pretty quickly, especially the revision. But if you are interested in taking either of these, now would be the time to go to rachelherron.com slash 90 Days to Done the numbers 90 and the word to 90 days to done or rachelherron.com slash revision. Those are open right now. And I got to say in just these last three months, I have had previous students who have gotten agents who have gotten publishing deals and who have also self-published their incredible, gorgeous, well-revised, well-edited, well-produced, beautiful books. So, um, it has been a pretty exciting time around here with ye olde Rachel Heron students, um, graduates of 90 Days to Done and 90 Day Revision. So that is cool. And I just wanted to mention a couple of um, testimonials for these classes. Um, uh, this is from Noel, who said, I got a lot out of my liberal arts education. I don't want to knock it too much, but the truth of it is, while I could understand this three-act structure, character, theme, or whatever, I never gained the tool set I learned here, which is how to write how to sit down each day or most days and do this actual work. You've given me the practical and psychological tools to crank out a whole freaking novel-length manuscript and then revise it. I don't know if I'll ever be published or a full-time writer or anything like that, but I do know I can be more of my true self by getting words on a page. Um, Also, I I don't think I'll spill any secrets, but um, Noelle just emailed me out of the blue, and she is doing something really cool publishing-wise and having a ball with it. And that's because she knows how to write, how to get out of her own way and do the writing. And this one comes from Kieran. Uh, writing my first draft, 90,000 words, was easy as pie compared to slogging through my first and second revisions. I don't know if I ever would have made it to this point without Rachel's class. The camaraderie, coaching, and weekly class classes kept me on the right path and chugging along. Having a safe group of people to share my book with was priceless. This gave me the confidence to put myself out there. My book will be in good enough to shape to send out my first agent query letter within the week. Thank you, Rachel. You are welcome. So please if anybody's interested in that, I'd go check it out. Now, I don't teach these classes often. Um only two or three times a year and or less. Um so I would love to have you. I have a superpower of gathering amazing human beings together to do this work and to be honest with you, I don't allow non-amazing human beings in these classes because I control them. So um, it's a safe space to be doing your work, learning the craft, and also the how-to. And I would love to hear from you if you would like to do this. So um, please go check that out if that is of interest to you. What else did I want to share with you? Oh, I wanted to say to Darren Blake, a.k.a. The Flick Guy, who upped his pledge on Patreon. Um, Darren has won NanoRimo 18 times, and uh, you will know what this mean, means, Darren. I wish for you that the why I shouldn't are actually whys in disguise. That is what I would like to share with you. Thank you for supporting me. It means the world. Thank you to all my patrons really appreciate it. I do have a patron Q&A going out either tomorrow or the next day. So that'll be coming for everyone to listen to. And that is the bonus you get as a listener of this podcast. You get to hear those people at that level ask questions and then I answer them. That's $5 a month. So um, thanks everybody for that. Let us jump right now into the interview with Leslie. And here is her bio, the daughter of a law professor and a potter, Leslie Karst, waited tables, and sang in a new wave rock band before deciding she was ready for a real job and ended up at Stanford Law School. It was during her career as a research and appellate attorney in Santa Cruz, California, that she rediscovered her youthful passion for food and cooking, at which point she once again returned to school, this time to earn a degree in culinary arts. Now retired from the law, Leslie spends her days penning the Sally Solari Culinary Mystery Series, as well as cooking gardening, cycling, and singing alto in her local community chorus. She and her wife and their Jack Russell mix split their time between Santa Cruz and Hilo, Hawaii, and her memoir, Justice is Served, has just been released. Please enjoy this fabulous, fun, and delightful interview with Lessie and wherever you are. I wish for you that you were getting some work done, even if it's just a little bit. Little bits add up, so... Happy writing to you all, and here we go. Well, I could not be more pleased to welcome you to the show today. Welcome. Will you please share your name and
1: pronouns with us? My name is Leslie Karst, and I'm a she. (laughs) Leslie,
0: your book is so exciting to me. Will you please give us the title of the book that that is just coming out?
1: It's called Justice is Served, A Tale of Scallops, The Law, and Cooking for RBG. Kind of a different kind of book. It's a how, many, how many books are about law and cooking? Uh, I don't law, think there's any. cooking
0: scallops <laughs> and RBG, and <laughs> it is it's just absolutely divine. So, but. Besides this book that is coming out, it'll probably come out right about at the time that I release this episode, I will try to make sure that that happens. Um, you also write crime fiction and you are prolific. I would love to talk to you about how and where and how do you get it all done?
1: Well, about the crime fiction. Um, or well, all, of the, enough, all of the writing. Well, I'm lucky enough to be a retired attorney So I have time to write and uh, which is very nice because it's very time consuming. The writing is time consuming on its own, but the publicity and marketing, because as one as everybody knows, you know, we authors now have to do virtually all ourselves uh, is also very time consuming. Um, it's all fun, but if I had to work a forty-hour-a-week job, I, I'm in awe of my friends who write and work full-time. But anyway, you want to know how the um, mystery novels came about, or any could,
0: all of your books? Where, where, and when do you write? How do you write? How do you get it
1: done? How, okay, well, I write in the. I tend to write in the mornings. I get up. I get a cup of coffee. <laughs> Very important. I go through all my emails do all that stuff, read the newspaper. And then I sit down and it depends on, you know, if I have a deadline or not. With my crime fiction, uh, I generally have, have I've been doing a book a year and my publisher has a deadline. And so, you know, when that's happening and maybe the writing is not going as quickly as it might, I'm more anxious and I write more (laughs) and I sit down more. Whether or not I get anything written is another thing, but I try (laughs) to sit down every morning and write 2000 words or several hours, depending on which comes first. Um, and I'm pretty organized, so it's generally not a not an issue for me. But you know, when you're stuck in that middle, you're a crime crime writer, you know that dead middle where you know, do you want to have somebody come into the room with a gun? <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do to shake things up? I usually know the beginning, and I usually and I know and I always know. Well, not always. Once I changed my mind about who did it, but uh, generally I know who did it and why. But you need to obviously have subplots and red herrings and clues and placing those and figuring out what goes where. And sometimes I'm stymied by that. That's hard. And so then you sit and stare at your screen and you're like, ah. So i have generally a, pretty good about sitting and writing.
0: <clears throat> I have a couple of students um, recently who have asked me about red herrings and <laughs> plotting crime fiction. And I have to say that like my last two novels were thrillers and that was <laughs> really, it's really not my Strength and I just kind of gibbered when they asked me, "How do you? Are you a pantser? plan for? I am. I am a pantser. So yeah. how do you plan for that red herrings and how do you plan to layer in uh, and weave well, those things? Are you a pantser as well?
1: Yeah, I. I know. I. Well, you know, it's interesting. I started out my first. Uh, I write the Sally Solari culinary mysteries because I love food. We'll get more about that later, I'm sure. Um, and the first one I wrote. Uh, I had it I had like a 20 page outline I mm. I was so nervous about it I I plotted the whole thing out and I knew exactly where I was going so when I sat down to write it it, it was actually pretty easy because uh, the writing for me is easy if I know where I'm going with it I love to write I love and uh, but it's the plotting that's difficult so uh, as I've I, the fifth one just came out and August And I just turned to the manuscript for number six, which is coming out this coming summer.
0: Congratulations. And
1: uh, thank you. (laughs) Um, It's interesting because I would I would never have guessed this would have happened. But with each book I've got I've gotten a little more towards seat of the pants kind of writing. Wow. And it's it's usually the other way. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, I
0: I hear a lot of pantsers go towards the plotter side. I hear less about the plotters going more towards the panther side. And I think that's <laughs> exciting. What what has changed for you because of that?
1: I think frustration at it, you know, and, and also at, um, that I'm anxious to get writing. And, and it's hard to make yourself, it's really hard to make your brain come up with a plot. It a lot of it just is sort of I don't know the muse or whatever. I'm out bike riding. And it comes to me like, Oh, I could do this, but sometimes it just doesn't come. And so I just sit down and I just start writing and I make myself write Because especially when I have a deadline, it's like, yeah. you can't sit, you don't have the luxury to wait for it to come to you. And so, and it's been kind of fun actually. So I'd call myself now a plotster. Wait, what would be the combination? of those
0: two? Yeah. Plantster, plotster.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> plaster, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: well, that's, that's really, really
0: cool. How, what was the, what did it, how different did it feel to move from writing the, the culinary crime fiction to this memoir kind of history piece?
1: Well, interestingly, I actually started writing the memoir before, I, before the mystery novels. Oh, wow. Because uh, the dinner that I cooked for Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually happened in 2006. Uh-huh. And I wrote a rough draft of what happened that year. Um, but then I set it aside. I was working as an attorney at the time, but I, I'm glad I got it all down because all everything was fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was working as an attorney, and um, and then and then I started writing the crime fiction, and it kind of went. It just sat there on my computer, and uh, and then at the urging of my wife and various family and friends, they said, "You really need to do that. You really need to do that." So I pulled it out, and several years ago, and you know kind of polished it rewrote it and um so it so interestingly it sort of was the other way around a- although i do think that having written all the that the sally solari books i became a lot a much better writer because you mm-hmm. do the more mm-hmm. you do it and so it's a good thing i didn't try and publish it back then because it's a much better book now and it I has think I just learned, i learned how to write dialogue and there's a lot of it's it's narrative nonfiction. so the the uh justice has served the memoir. Um, so it has a lot of similar attributes to fiction in its writing style uh, than say just regular old non-fiction. So there's it's a storytelling it's tori- storytelling with a lot of dialogue and I think having written those mystery novels uh, made it I made it made me a better writer. There's no murder Absolutely. in this though so Spoiler alert! Nobody does. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Well, except and for may- maybe some of the food that I eat.
0: <laughs> and may we just say that it just uh, Justice has served just received a fabulous Kirkus review as well. Congratulations! That's yeah, that was pretty exciting because they could be pretty excited.
1: They
0: <laughs> I've been on the I've been on the cutting edge of that knife.
1: A oh yes, as have I.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, what is for you? Um, the biggest challenge when it comes to writing?
1: Well, I think what I already, I mean, I touched on this earlier, plotting. I mean, yeah. and I, you know, I'd love to, I, I doubt there are many fiction writers that don't, don't have a hard time plotting. I mean, maybe with literary fiction, where, I mean, the plot is so important in crime fiction, where you, you know, you, because you you, you kind of have a contract with your reader. You're going to you know i write murder mysteries so there's always a dead body and you, you have to be play fair so you have to plant enough clues that not only can your sleuth figure it out but uh, but the reader might be able to you know so you can't drop things at the very end and oh yeah there was that but you also have to do it well enough that it's not too easy, right? So you have to plant red herrings, and you have to figure out where you're. And from that, I mean, I like that kind of writing. I'm good at it. It's actually, un, not surprisingly, or maybe surprisingly, similar to legal writing, um, because I was a research and appellate attorney. And when you write briefs, you're uh, when you're writing briefs for the court, you're trying to convince the judge to rule your way. And so you have this set of facts. You have this case law. But how you put it together is what makes the difference. And so you you can't leave out facts that are that are vital to the case. That would be unethical. And also you'd get slammed by the opposing attorney for doing so. But you have, but, but how you arrange them, how you what you emphasize, what you de-emphasize, how you write it is really important. And it actually is really similar to crime fiction. I realized years later and, uh, but, but it's difficult. It's I'd say that's the hardest part Um,
0: there. there, You just explained that so clearly. I have wondered (laughs) many times about why there is such a direct lawyer to writer pipeline Mm. and that, especially to crime (laughs) fiction. And that explains it beautifully. Okay. That makes total sense. So what is your biggest
1: joy when it comes to writing? Dialogue. I love to write dialogue. Me too. Oh, good. That. I don't know. It's so I guess I'm because I'm a people person. I dialogue, I think, is what brings a book to life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look when you open up a book and just you're thinking of reading it or buying it or whatever. One thing I do is I open it up and if and I in the the amount of blank space on a page is really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some books, one of my very favorite books, and I was just reading an article about it, is Ulysses by James Joyce. And there's not a whole lot of, you know, he no. does have pages. But, <laughs> and so ignoring those but for for just sort of light reading you you want it to be visually easy and and a lot of dialogue I I like because it's very human um mm. and some people seem to have I, I talk to people who say they have a really hard time writing dialogue. I've always been a word oriented person. Uh, I've studied foreign languages since I was a little and and I and I and I wrote song lyrics before I was a, mm. uh, an attorney. And so for me, I listen listening to people speak. When you're out and about, I love to just sit on a park bench and listen to conversations. And and uh, and it's and it's so fun because of course you want the the characters in your books to have different voices. Uh, I read somewhere that you know you should be able to just, uh, if you even without taglines, saying he said or she said. It, you should be able to identify who's speaking, but by the, how their voices, because we all speak a little differently. We use different vocabulary. We have different cadences. And I love playing with that. It's very, very enjoyable for me.
0: I love how you light up when you're talking about it too. Yeah, I, I'm one of the, I'm exactly like you. I get words stuck in my head. I actually get Dialogue stuck in my head, like some people. I also get songs stuck in my head, but I get words <laughs> or the feel of words or the sound of words just stuck in my and I'll wake up saying something in an accent that I just heard or, or yeah, that's, <laughs> that's delicious, that's delicious for me.
1: So, can you share a
0: craft tip of any sort with us?
1: Well, I guess what, um, if if you're having trouble writing dialogue, yes, please to share, start paying attention, pay strict attention to what people to house people speak, listen to it, take notes. Um, and, and just maybe try writing a fake dialogue, like, uh, doesn't have to be even in your book, uh, and, and see if you can, um, make a differentiation between different characters by how they speak. Um, uh, yeah, just, I think listening, really listening to others, uh, because a lot of times if you just try and do it out of your own brain. We tend to often hang around people that are a lot like us right and so maybe you know my group of friends we might all speak kind of the same but in, a, in particularly in crime fiction you're dealing with killers and things they're going <laughs> to talk differently <though>, <laughs> but also you can yeah and you can use dialogue to to do faints literary faints and make somebody think yes. something's happening that isn't or maybe somebody speaks a certain way but they're trying to speak a different way and just be really aware of that i i
0: recently I heard somebody to go to just a cafe and type everything that they hear. And, and somebody else in the group said, Oh, and just record it. And then go I'm like, don't do that. Maybe that, but that might, that might get you in trouble. Please don't, please don't record people in public without yeah. their knowledge, but, but capturing it that way is awesome. So can you share with us what the kindest thing that anyone has ever done for you in your writing career was?
1: the kind of thing that anyone else has ever done for me. Well, I have to, I'm, I'm gonna give a shout out to um, the, just the crime writing community in general. Uh, people like Sisters in Crime, are you a member of Sisters in Crime?
0: Yeah, well, I was in when the, I lived in the States. Now now we live in New Zealand, so, but, oh, but I was. In New
1: yeah. Zealand. Oh, what yeah. time is it there? Oh, it's uh, one o'clock p.m. Oh, it's not that different because I'm actually right now in Hawaii, so. The, the yeah, 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 yeah. We're a day ahead, but not far but, away. Yeah, but the hour, that's more important. Um, <laughs> Sisters in Crime and and just the crime writing community in general is the most generous, warm, accepting group of people I've ever met in my life. In fact, one of the best things that's happened to me since I've become a, a crime writer is meeting those people. I mean, in some ways, it's almost better than having the books published because I've made so many close friends. But when I first started out and I didn't know anybody and my first book hadn't been published, Famous authors were so nice to me and kind. And you just, it's a, its amazing how generous people are uh, in, in all levels, um, offering to talk to you about, um, give you tips, uh, talk to you about their struggles, their own struggles, getting an agent, um, even agreeing to read things you'd written or just sit down and chat with you, hold your hand when you're upset about something. It's just, yeah, I'd say that its a, I, I couldn't, Limited to one thing, they've just been so wonderful.
0: Yeah. The generosity of writers is, but I've heard it's not astounding.
1: So true in other communities. Like I don't know if this is true, and I might get people mad at me, but I've heard that, for instance, the romance authors are not like that. That you know, oh I mean, no, they
0: are. They are. I come from oh. romance landia too. Okay, they are. So they they are just as generous. Okay, but, good. I'm but so I had heard you. the rumor about the crime writers. Not oh, being as generous well, we until weapons. I until, until I joined <laughs> and I realized, oh, we just talk and smack about different groups. They're all that generous. Oh, that's I'm they, so glad they, to hear that. And they, and they do overlap, obviously. Yeah. They uh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. No, yes. that's so good. I love that. So what yeah. is the kindest good for writers, thing? Cover yeah. writers. What is the kindest thing that you've ever done for yourself?
1: Uh, refrain from reading my reviews. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, can you preach? I gave that up about two years after my first book came out. And it uh, I still want to get
1: sucked into that, but <laughs> even the good ones, I don't think it's it's just that good for you. It's because they're it's just. Not. I mean, I mean, I'm talking about like Amazon and Goodreads. Yes, yeah, me too. Obviously, yeah. the the uh, the trade publications. I right. read those, of course. um But like the Kirkus review, but um <laughs> but in general, it's it's really best just not to read those because. Yeah. You can get one-star reviews. I had a one-star review when my first Sally Solari book came out, and it was based on the fact that she she lived in Santa Cruz, where the books take place, Santa Cruz, California, and she accused me of writing about Santa Cruz and not living it. She says she lives in New York City. I'm like, what? I've lived in Santa Cruz since 1974. So, but but she just got really in a tizzy, and and it's and that kind of thing is just uh, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. And it just makes you, gives you sleepless nights. So yeah,
0: it gives you (laughs) sleepless nights. Exactly. I think that, um, that you can't, I can't believe the five stars. I'm not the best writer ever. I can't believe the one stars. I'm not the worst writer ever. I could probably read the three stars, but what I do sometimes is like, I'll ask my sister or I would ask my assistant to do this, go in and get maybe a general vibe of a book. If I'm trying to change something for the next one, but I've never even done that. I do keep an eye on the star rating sometimes. And I'll say, Oh
1: this is, this has got a good 4.3. Good enough for me. That's well and ultimately what's most important is the number of ratings. It could exactly. be all actually, but apparently with at least Amazon, you have to you know you, that your book won't start showing up in algorithms until it gets a certain amount and I'm not sure what that amount is. I don't know, what th-
0: they'll probably never so, tell us. So I will yeah.
1: schedule under the bat. And by the way, for the, all those of you who are listening, just because we don't read them doesn't mean we don't want them. <laughs> Please review the books that you We want you them read. desperately. And no matter if, what they even are, even if it's just you know three stars, it was pretty good. That really helps authors because of yes. the weird rhythms that um, Amazon has. So
0: yes, <laughs> thank you so much for clarifying that. That is a very, yeah. very, very, very good point. Um, okay, so what is speaking of books and reviewing them? What is the best book you have read lately? Can you review it for us?
1: You know, yes, I, I, because uh, you had told me you were going to ask me this, and I thought about it, and um, I would say just for fun i love the richard osmond mysteries which are I've never read him uh, which is the well, the first one is it's called um do i have it here uh the thursday murder club oh i have heard of it yes and actually they're making it into a movie and he's this he and and, the, and he and his the third one is now out now and i just read it and it's called the bullet that missed and the thing about his books is he's a he's a Brit. And he's apparently, he's a, not apparently, he is a a television uh, celebrity in England that we haven't really heard about, but, um, and he does game shows and stuff and he's very clever and witty and his books are darling and they, they're set in a um, retirement community in the South of England in Sussex, I believe. And so all the sleuths are, you know, in their seventies and eighties. And he, I guess he was inspired to write it because his, wife, his mom was living in one of these communities. And they're just darling. They're sweet. They're really witty. I mean, um, it's like, he, he, it kind of reminds me of Oscar Wilde sometimes, his wit. Oh. It, and But also there's a gentleness and a warmth and compassion for hu- human nature in them. Oh. And I just adore those books. So go out and oh. read Richard Osman.
0: I'm going to immediately do that because lately I have been in, I go through moods where all I want to read is dark and terrible. And right now I'm kind of reading cozy and comforting. And so, yeah, that's, that's going on my list. Um, Will you now, if you don't mind a little bit telling us a little bit more about justice is served.
1: Okay. Uh, By the way, in case you hadn't noticed, I want you all to see what who's this, this. No.
0: Okay. For the people who aren't, most people listen to this. So I'm going to describe okay. your shirt. It looks like a fabulous leopard print on the zoom. It is not leopard print. The spots are Ruth Bader Ginsburg.
1: There, yes. It's all, face. it's all her face. Where did you get that? I saw it online a couple of years ago and I just, it was, it's I don't usually amazing. Online, but I just said, I have to have that. <laughs>
0: it's absolutely amazing it's okay tell us about
1: your book <laughs> okay so so as i said in here for those of you who are watching here's a picture of it it comes out april Gorgeous 4th. cover. Uh, i love this cover so much yeah. um and you can yes you can find it on my website um so i like to tell people that it's a it's a julie and julia meets notorious rbg mashup that's exactly what i thought yes, yes, yes. <laughs> in, in, in which i uh I recount how I finagled my way into hosting an intimate dinner party with Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her fabulous, charming husband, Marty Ginsburg. Uh, but it, but it's not just that happening. How it sends me on a a journey of culinary discovery, discovery, and and ultimately changes my life because you know, like most memoirs, it it does that, and it's true. It really the dinner affected me in ways I would never have guessed. So there's a lot of food in it, obviously Uh, because I'm obsessed with food, and I'm trying to find the perfect meal to, you know, I found out about this dinner that my dad, so what happened was, my father uh, um, was a constitutional law professor at UCLA Law School, and uh, he had known Ruth since the 60s, back when they were both, she was also a law professor back then, and they'd kept in touch, and and my dad was about to retire, and he'd been trying to get her to come to the law school to speak for years and years and years, and finally, he wrote and said, Ruth, this is my last year, teaching, if you want to do it on my watch, now's the time. And she said, okay, I'll come. And I, he told me that. And I said, oh, maybe I should cook you guys dinner, sort of as a joke. And he said, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And I went, holy cow, what have I done? So that set me off on a lot of anxiety, but also excitement. Um, so there's a lot of that in the book. But each chapter also has a little snippet. I call them interludes where I recount the books in the first person, but the little interludes are in the third person and they are little snippets of her life, mm-hmm. her work, her personal life, and other just stuff about her that relates to what just happened in the book. So it's not just completely out of context, but you learn by the time you finish the book, you actually learn a lot about her in a fun way. There's not a lot of detail about the law. You don't have to worry about that. There I are a about the law because this I is- am a lawyer and you have to have footnotes, uh, but <laughs> you were giving and, me the, uh, perfect you know, and, so, and it culminates cat. with the dinner itself and um, and all the conversation that happened. And since I have took copious notes afterwards, I hadn't been planning on writing the book, but then afterwards I said, I should write this down. And so yeah. I wrote down everything I could remember about the dinner that uh, the night before. And uh, so it ends in the dinner and, but it ends up affecting me in ways I would never have guessed. This is gorgeous. This is thank gorgeous. You, for thank a, you for such a, thank you for such a,
0: Beautiful description Beautiful. of it too. Can you tell us a little bit um, before I let you go? Mm-hmm. Because food is so important in your life, what 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 role it plays a big role in all of your books. What role mm-hmm. does it play in your life on a daily basis? I'm just I,
1: this is just a curious question. I, I are you the main cook all the time? <laughs> what am I going to do for dinner? My wife Robin doesn't cook, uh, and so I cook. I cook for us most nights. She does the dishes, thank goodness. Uh, and I just yeah. it's I just, I've just been kind of, obs- I love to eat and, um, and to cook and experiment with food.
0: Uh, What's your most I, recent favorite go-to meal that you've been going to?
1: I made a dish. I had a dinner party recently and I made this dish. It's actually all of my mystery novels as well as the justice is served. They all have recipes in them. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yes, you get the recipes from the, the, of all the things I cooked for Ruth. Um, and uh, in I think it's is it I can't remember which book it's in it might actually be in a book that's not out yet but anyway there's a recipe for miso ginger chicken where you marinate uh uh, you marinate the the I use thighs because they're the most flavorful uh in in a combination of sake miso ginger brown sugar and some other things garlic I think and, uh, and I couldn't believe how good it was. It's like, I came up with this. I mean, I sort of came up with the That's amazing. <laughs> I've gotten, I'm getting older now and I'm not as, um, don't have as much energy as I, as I used to. I went to cooking school when I was in my thirties while I was working as a lawyer. I went back to school and went to my local community college cooking school. And back then I was so adventurous and I was always cooking fancy, trying things out. And in I've gotten a little older since then. And, don't have quite that uh, energy anymore. So I really like things that you can sort of shove in the oven, but I yes. want them to taste good. Yeah. This one's very good. You'll have to yes. look out for it. Uh, I will. So, I will.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Where can we find you out there online? It's easy. If you just remember my name, Leslie Karst, it's with a K, K A R S T. It's Leslie Karst author.com. If you just Google me, or if you Google Justice is Served, it'll probably come up or you can Google Sally Solari, the Sally Solari mysteries of the series. Thank you. It has been a joy and a delight to talk to you. It's been, I've enjoyed talking to you. I'm sorry you're in New Zealand or we can hang out. (laughs) Thank you, Leslie. Thanks so much for joining me on this
0: episode of How Do You Write?